This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by someone who is both an adjunct professor at my favorite school and also, more importantly, the president of Stanford Health Plan in South Dakota, uh, and, and probably more than South Dakota. But, John, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Then we'll talk about sort of what you're seeing in the Medicare and Medicaid managed care plans, what you're seeing in Medicare Advantage plans, value-based care, and a lot more. John, can you take a moment, introduce yourself, and tell us about Sanford Health Plans? Sure. Uh, again, John Snyder, um, the president of Sanford Health Plan, uh, part of the Sanford Health System, uh, based in the Dakotas, um, both South and North Dakota, as well as uh, uh, Eastern um, uh, Minnesota and parts of Iowa. Uh, uh, Sanford's the largest rural health system in the country, and is very dedicated to you know providing uh, outstanding care to, to to, to the rural community. And what do you see currently? What's going on with Medicare Advantage Pay, Medicare Advantage plans? What are you sort of seeing in that universe? And how much of the business of Sanford Health Plans is that business versus traditional, not Medicare business? What are your observations and trends that you're watching in those areas? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, Sanford has had a, a special needs uh, Medicare Advantage uh, product for several years, an ISNEP institutional special needs product. Uh, we actually just recently this year got into traditional Medicare Advantage uh, and and still have a plan. Uh, I think that you know we're seeing, uh, as I think all across the country, tremendous growth in Medicare Advantage and tremendous competition uh, in Medicare Advantage and. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, a big, a big future growth uh, product, uh, and and one that uh, clearly you have to, you know, have the robust benefits that that uh, pretty much everyone's providing uh, to be competitive. And, and what's the future? I mean, with, with the Medicare plan itself, I've heard some incredible stats that it, that an increasing percentage of the entire Medicare plan is through Medicare Advantage. Do you have a sense of what those numbers are and how big a part that is? Yeah, I think it, it clearly is growing. You know, more people select Medicare Advantage now than traditional fee-for-service Medicare. Uh, and, 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 you know, you look at the difference in the plans, it's, it's, it's very telling why they would. Uh, Medicare Advantage op- often has a zero premium, zero copay, and has much more robust benefits than a traditional Medicare uh, fee-for-service. Um, so it, it certainly is, is where... Uh, people are choosing, you know, as they uh, turn Medicare age, you know, it's where they're choosing to, to go. I would guess that trend will, you know, any reason why that trend wouldn't continue uh, uh, and, uh, in, a, in a robust way. And, and what are you seeing with the growth of Sanford Health Plan's plans? Where's the growth? What, what, what are you most focused on? Yeah, it, that's a great question. I mean, I think uh, for us and probably for a lot of uh, regional players, it's, it's in the government uh, space, whether it's uh, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement, Medicaid, uh, and, uh, and, and really growing, probably the biggest, if any, is, is the exchange population. Uh, we, we actually saw tremendous growth this year in, in our exchange population. But isn't that fascinating, the exchange population? That was so dormant for so long. I mean, what, what's been widely reported since 2010, since the Affordable Care Act, you know, otherwise often called Obamacare, you know, 80, 90% of the growth had always been in Medicaid plans and Medicaid expansion. 
in just this year, sort of revitalized under President Biden and not political one way or the other, but sort of revitalized. All of a sudden, you're seeing growth in the exchanges as well. Can you comment on that or any thoughts about that growth? Or is that a fair observation that I'm making? No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, I think that um, the CARES Act expanded the subsidies that were available uh, and made these products more you know, affordable uh, uh, to people. And I think that, and, and I think the other thing is it's you know the market's starting to stabilize. I mean, you can remember when it's first started, all the all the risk corridors and all the huge swings for for insurers as far as trying to understand the risk and how how it was going to be mitigated. And and that market has stabilized a lot. So I think it's 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 allowed uh, a lot more players in the space, and it's and it's brought good uh, competition uh, that's allowed lower rates overall. And I think it's uh, made it much more affordable. And, and another question, John, I view you as one of the absolute top leaders in the country in sort of running in a, a hospital-owned insurance plan or hospital-affiliated insurance plan. You've been doing this longer than many people remember that this was a business. You, you led this at other places, at Carl, I believe, and some other places, and, and you've got great perspective on this. How has competition changed for the hospital-owned insurance plans? I mean, just to just tee up the conversation, back in the day, there used to be four or five major insurers in a state. You know, it was United, it was Blue Cross, it was Aetna, it was a Cigna. Now most states have one or two dominant insurance plans, typically a dominant one, and then somebody else. How has that changed the way that you look at running a hospital-owned or system-related insurance set of plans? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think as a, as a usually typically a regional player, you know, being a provider sponsored plan, uh, you have to show value, and you know it's hard to compete with the the big box Blue Crosses and uh, you know United uh, Healthcare's of the world. And so, how do you how do you show value? And I think that's that's the integration with the system and being able to offer differentiated products that that a Blue Cross couldn't offer because you're embedded and integrated with the health system that people use. Uh, some of the things that that we've done uh, here at Stanford, uh, for for example, we've done uh, best practice alignment. So uh, for prior approvals, we're able to uh, use uh, uh, best practice that's already being done in the system and some innovative uh, AI that allows some of the prior approval information to kind of flow seamlessly so people don't have to go through that process like they would traditionally do. So that's a real value add. Uh, other things as far as innovative care coordination, uh, really being able to coordinate not only the system side, but the health plan side, care coordination that makes it a lot more seamless and and uh, provides a lot more value uh, to the to the member or patient. You know, the, the, the beauty of a, of a provider-owned health plan is, is aligned incentives because, uh, you know, and, and that really allows you to do innovative things that, that do the right thing for the member or the patient, regardless of how you get paid. And, and let me ask you a question about that, because, you know, you and I have seen this across the country. Some systems have been quite successful at this. Others have really floundered at it. And there, there's a number that have been quite successful. Spectrum has been very successful at it. You've been very successful at it in a couple different places you've been at. Other huge systems spent a ton of money chasing this and have really fouled at it and, and shut down their operations, quite frankly, at their own health system owned insurance plans. What's the difference between success and failure in this in this? What are some of the keys to success in the health system-owned insurance world? Yeah, and, and, and Scott, that's that's a great question because uh, it, it's interesting as you look across the country. I think a lot of regional provider-owned plans 
struggle uh, trying to, to uh, you know, really offer that value equation. And I think it's just it's the uh, struggle of people on the provider side not necessarily understanding the insurance world and vice versa. And you've you've got to you've got to kind of walk that path together. And and the other thing is just the balance between uh, fee for service and value. Uh, you know, you get on the, the hospital side, and, and you know, fortunately, still a lot of hospital systems uh, are paid from, from on a fee for service, primarily fee for service. So it's hard to understand that value equation and, and how it can benefit you. And again, I think it's 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 probably as much education, communication, and and alignment of incentives uh, that that are kind of the keys to success. I've seen some of the big national health systems really struggle with this. Whereas I've seen some of the regional systems, at least the examples I think of anecdotally are ones that are more regional. Is there a benefit to being highly focused in an area versus trying to do this on a national basis? Is it just so expensive on a national basis that you're fraught for failure? What's your thoughts on regional versus national approach to developing an insurance operation? Yeah, that's a great question. That's another great question. I mean, I and, and I could compare it and contrast uh, when I was at Carl, big system, but primarily, you know, not, not a whole bunch of major hospitals versus here at Stanford, four major regional um, uh, significant health systems. And the coordination, even at that level of a regional, is much, much harder than it was uh, at Carl. And I think the bigger you get, the harder it is to get everybody kind of on the same page and, and be sure that everybody understands the aligned incentives uh, and and can kind of synergize. So I so I think the, you know the the regional uh, has a significant advantage in trying to do that. Thank you, John. As always, it's it's great to speak to you. You've got a unique perspective on this, probably the, about as well honed a perspective as anybody in the country. I appreciate you joining us so much on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast again. I know you're busy as heck. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker Self-Care Podcast. Yep. Scott, always a pleasure. Thanks again for the opportunity.